Uh, once again, uh, to all of our listeners, I am honored and humbled to be here with Russell Baker, the immediate past president of IABC Toronto as of July 2021. Russell identifies with the pronouns he, him. I first met Russell in the fall of 2020 during an IABC Toronto networking event. Russell is the chief spokesperson for Toronto Hydro, where he is responsible for setting the strategic direction for media relations, corporate issues management, and emergency management communications. For nearly a decade, Russell has helped organizations communicate, adapt, and lead in times of significant change, including a large-scale natural disaster and a global pandemic. As immediate past president, Russell grew the profile and prominence of IABC Toronto, the largest chapter in an international association of business communicators, and elevated member experiences, including my own, during the most prominent global healthcare crisis in a century. His leadership throughout the COVID-19 pandemic has been amazing and exemplary. Russell, it is an absolute pleasure to be here with you today, and I'd like to thank you so much for offering your time and space with me and our listeners. I'd like to begin by giving you the floor to walk us through your journey and what interested you about issues and reputation management. The floor is yours. Great. Well, hi, Jacob. Thanks for speaking with me today. It's certainly a, a great pleasure to be here. Uh, so before we sort of dive into the to the one question there, I think some context about my background might be helpful. So I'm a graduate of Seneca College's uh, corporate communications program uh, and have since had the pleasure of working for uh, companies across a variety of sectors. Those include financial services, communication agencies, municipal governments, and now a local utility. And so, like you said, over the last decade, I've uh, helped organizations communicate, adapt, and lead in times of significant change. Now, that's included wildfires, there's been floods in there, environmental contaminations, uh, community protests, global pandemics, and numerous high-profile uh, and often controversial issues. Um, so when it comes to what excited me about those, those issues, um, I have to say that I think one of the most interesting shifts we've seen uh, take place in communications and public relations space in the last five or 10 years has been the fact that no matter your area of expertise, communicators really have become issues managers. Uh, we've seen tidal waves of change in what consumers expect of brands, and that means reputation management has never been more critical for the success of corporate brands. There are so many factors that go into effectively managing issues, but we're now seeing that responsibility sit on the shoulders of everyone in the communications department and organizations more broadly. So personally, I find that the whole process from risk identification to triaging, analysis, decision-making, uh, implementation, and more, just incredibly fascinating. Uh, and based on so many more principles across marketing and communications and psychology and legal and business, I mean, there are so many uh, faucets that go into effective issues management. So I'd say in short, because I know I've talked long here already, in short, um, you know, I've really been drawn to issues management and, and reputation management um, because of the breadth of information and the, and the resources that go into effectively managing an issue either before it arises 
while it's arising or perhaps even uh, as it turns into a crisis. Awesome. Crisis uh, and issues uh, definitely sounds very far reaching. As you mentioned, it can seep into various industries that may be PR or non-PR related, as you mentioned, uh, legal, and uh, that's, that's very interesting. So to our listeners, definitely keep that in mind if you're thinking about specializing uh, in issues. I'd like to segue into the next question that I have for Russell, and that is, how would you define an issue compared to a crisis? Yeah, there's there's really an analogy that comes to mind, and I I read it once, and I'm probably going to paraphrase it to some degree, but that is that issues management is steering a ship out of troubled water, but crisis management is trying to save the ship after it's struck an iceberg. So if we think about it through that lens, right, it really helps to paint a picture as to the importance of really getting involved when it's an issue or something's bubbling rather than going in and trying to get all the water out of the ship when it's already sinking. I love that analogy. Russell, in your opinion, what makes something a crisis? How do you know what's a crisis and what's not? I think I need to start by looking at this and answering your question by talking about what I would consider to be the four stages in issues management. I think that's really the first place we should start here. So the four, uh, four stages would start with an emerging issue. So that would be an issue that may not be recognized Uh, but could have a significant impact on an organization. Second one would be a current issue. So that's a situation that is evoking the attention and or concern of influential stakeholders. So that could certainly be internal or external to your organization. The third stage would be something that's defined as a crisis. So that could be something that uh, has the likelihood of damaging your organization's reputation. Uh, could cause a loss of trust in your organization, or maybe has an impact to health, safety, lives, etc. And then the fourth one would be a dormant issue. So this is something that, of course, is no longer active, um, at which point it's really up to the organization to do an evaluation of the successes, the challenges, the opportunities, so that they can learn from what has occurred. So I think, you know, to answer your question, I think it's important to note that, you know, an issue really can move through those stages um, pretty easily. And it doesn't have to start as an emerging issue or whatnot, right? It really could start anywhere on that scale. But what matters here more is that as it moves through those stages, as an issue moves through those stages, it attracts more attention of stakeholders. And so what that means is it arguably becomes less manageable for an organization to get their point of view out. So in other words, the earlier that you detect an issue, the more response choices are available to you. Uh, And so as an issue matures, what that means is the number of engaged stakeholders or publics uh, or other influencers expand and the positions that uh, they take become more entrenched and the strategic options available to you as an organization certainly get smaller. Absolutely. Um, 
So if and when the issue becomes a crisis, what that really means is that the available responses are going to be reactive uh, and they might be at times, depending on the issue, uh, imposed on you by an external organization, perhaps like a government agency, for example. Um, So in short, what this really means to me is that a crisis is something that you have fewer options to control and to uh, you know, build a narrative around, right? You're in response mode rather than prepared mode. Uh, and so ultimately, as a consequence, what that arguably could mean is that the potential for this to have a damaging impact to your brand or your organization is exponentially higher. And as a result, the loss of trust could be real. Absolutely. And I would imagine that social media is also another factor in how quickly uh, an issue can move through those stages and turn into a crisis. Absolutely. I mean, social media, you know, is a, is a, is a great tool, but it also does, uh, you know, mobilize a support group or a bit of a protest, if you will, very quickly when something hits the fan, if you will. Right. Uh, and, and I think this is, you know, one of the key sort of, um, components of effective issues management is getting out there quickly and getting out with, a story or a narrative to help, you know, educate and inform about your organization's stance on said issue. Absolutely. I'd like to now segue into the current situation uh, that's ongoing. Did you notice any significant changes in how organizations deal with issues and crises since the COVID-19 pandemic? I'd say generally speaking, consumers and other stakeholders have had a higher expectation of brands during the pandemic. Uh, And that could be true of brands that they interact with on a daily basis, or it could be brands that they just peripherally know about, right? Uh, And may see sometimes, Um, you know, and, in my personal experience, based on my role, my day-to-day job, and certainly my role on the on the board for IBC Toronto, um, what that's meant is the it's important to acknowledge an issue or an inquiry or whatever it might be more quickly than you perhaps might have pre-pandemic. And I think that, that just demonstrates or speaks to the fact that more people are at home, they're more likely to take to social media or to email you or to, um, you know, call your customer care center or something like that to get to express an opinion. And they want feedback fairly immediately. I've noticed this as well, even with personal messaging that without that in-person connection, there seems to be uh, a lower level of patience. Everybody just wants it now. (laughs) And uh, we're getting bombarded with notifications and messages left and right. Um, So I can imagine that it's even more so in the realm of communications and especially issues and and crises. Well, there, I I read recently and I I don't recall where, uh, but it was a fascinating story to say in the world of Uber Eats and Mm -hmm. other services such as them that will allow you to track your order and, and see it in real time that's really translated into customer expectations of what would be considered, you know, brands that are not historically disruptive, right? 
so if you're looking to pay your bill online, you know, where is it in the process? How are you, you know, doing things uh, in a way that will really resonate with your audience real time? And so I think it's uh, an interesting question that a lot of brands, established brands have to ask themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think really demonstrates that to your point that uh, real time expectations from consumers these days. Yes, absolutely. And psychology also sounds like a huge factor in a lot of the decision making and activity that people partake in. So uh, thank you, Russell, for that. From your personal experience and professional experience, I might add, uh, what are some issue management strategies that you have used that worked really well in overcoming an issue or a crisis? Well, let me start. Uh, well, let me start by saying, um, you know, I've been very fortunate over my career to work t- to work with seasoned issues managers, crisis communications experts, um, and that really, with a particular emphasis, I would say, on my time in Fort McMurray. Um, so. Uh, I was in Fort McMurray during the 2016 wildfires that were larger than um, the size of Prince Edward Island. And, you know, really, um, there were a number of noticeable lessons or frameworks, if you will, that I walked away from and have since brought forward to organizations I've worked at since. Now, I will say, you know, really, from my perspective, that hinges around uh, what I would call the seven steps in issues management, seven essential steps, I would even argue. Um, now, the these steps aren't linear by any means, but I have found success in adhering to these seven items where possible. Um, and I really encourage communicators and those that I, you know, those individuals I work with to really take these steps, um, to follow these steps before an issue may arise uh, so that you can, you know, effectively get ahead of an issue or manage an issue and then also evaluate your success at the end of it. Right. So, so without further ado, really, I guess to answer your question uh, around what strategies are effective, I have found that these steps are effective. So the first step is monitoring. So that's inherently obvious here, but it's really doing that environmental scan to understand what threats may be out there, what risks might be out there, both in, in your own organization, but also outside of your organization. Then the next step would be identification. So once you've identified what those risks could be, uh, then you want to ask yourself a number of questions around whether the potential issue could affect the organization at hand. Where in the life cycle I mentioned before, so emerging, current, crisis, and dormant, does this fit and how does that impact my decision making at this point? From there, you really want to look at prioritization and impact. So this really looks at identifying what could the real impact of this issue be on your organization? What's the likelihood of it ballooning in size, as I would refer to it? What's at stake? And, and a lot more there as well. I often say after that, you know, once you've really given that a lot of thought, you probably want to look into this issue a little bit more. So maybe that's doing a deep dive into whether journalists have written about this in the past, what's being talked about on social media. Um, you know, are there any Reddit threads you want to be aware of, right, for example, that have a depth of knowledge in this space? And so that will help you understand the more fulsome picture here. And I will say, generally, at this point, 
you have a bit of an issues management team around to help support this because it is a fair amount of work and it it should be a fair amount of work so that you can best inform yourself and and lead into what the next step would be and that would be making strategic decisions mm-hmm. so in this case really it comes down to a multitude of factors but i would sum it up into well how frequently do you want to be monitoring the situation how much is it going to be changing and how quickly will it change um, you want to identify what internal resources you might need. So do you need to be getting your legal group around the table with you? Do you need to get HR? Do you need to get, um, you know, an engineer around the table, whatever it might be, right? Then when you're building that out a little bit further, who are your audiences? Who do you do, who do you need to be talking to? How do you want to tailor your messages based on that? Um, and, and so much more. I mean, really, that's just high level there, but that's really one of those steps. And then the final two steps are, of course, after making those strategic decisions, you must implement it. Um, So, you know, that's self-explanatory. I'm not going to get into that. But of course, then you want to evaluate the success of your efforts. So I think really following these steps, and again, they don't always happen in a linear way, uh, but, you know, to the extent possible, you want to try and do that. I think through those efforts, you know, I can say with great confidence, they've helped me personally and organizations I've worked for navigate a lot of issues with great success. Thank you, Russell. A lot of excellent information to take in for our listeners. And it, it to your point about the monitoring, the impact, the resources, I also believe you mentioned Reddit as well. Mm-hmm. It's it's ongoing and there's always something happening. So it's it's always important to keep your eyes and ears open. That's right. And I mean, I, I should stress too, I, I think, uh, uh, you know, something that I haven't said explicitly is that another factor in effective issues management is having the right people around the table, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I often say, uh, another analogy I love is that an issues manager is um, in the is in the passenger seat in a vehicle. They're the one with a mat trying to help you navigate to your destination. But it's the business unit or the subject matter expert, if you will, who's in the driver's seat. They know how to operate and what's going on from an expert uh, uh, space, right? So together, the uh, subject matter expert and the issues manager or the communications you know, uh, lead uh, can help get to the destination safely and exactly. without any scars, right? So yep. I think it is important to work together with your experts to really help navigate these complexities. That's right. Expert power is very powerful and... <laughs> It is essential to have the right people around you to make the right decisions as you move forward. That's right. Thank you, Russell. Uh, Just a couple more questions. How to manage stress and avoid burnout, in your opinion? Yeah, it's an age-old question, isn't it, right? Yeah. Um, (laughs) You know, I... uh, I I thought long and hard about this question, and I really feel like I should start by acknowledging that the whole concept around work-life balance is something that I don't personally uh, believe in. I, I think that there are going to be times where you need to give more to work than you do to your personal life, and certainly the same to give more to your personal life than work. So I think it's very situational. Right. And the example I will give is that, you know, there may be a bubbling issue at work and you need to work an entire weekend to get ahead of it. Right. 
that may be true sometimes, but it, it, that um, may not happen every weekend. So maybe you take the Friday off the following week so you can have a three-day weekend and you can disconnect, right? So you got to find what works for you and your situation and also the role that you have within your organization. Um, but to answer your question around how do I manage stress, for me, knowing that I think uh, it's really about soaking up the simple pleasures. Um, and, and admittedly, that's been a little bit more challenging during the pandemic. Uh, but I think that it is important to look at how you spend your free time um, so that you can be well-equipped and, and relaxed and ready to tackle what could be a very demanding or stressful situation uh, at work or, or perhaps even in your personal life. Some great tips, Russell, and thank you for sharing those. So as we conclude episode one of progress with Jacob Barr podcast, I would like to ask Russell if he has any general advice for students that are thinking of getting into issues management and crisis. And Russell, the floor is yours. It's an excellent question. And I, I, I thought long and hard about this one as well, Jacob. Now, I will say that uh, I think that many professionals really want to go into public relations or communications to specialize in issues management or crisis communications. But I argue that few practice it full time. And that's an interesting takeaway here. Uh, individuals who practice issues management or crisis communications full time are often in PR agencies that may have a team that specializes in providing that 24 seven support for when an issue may arise. But that's not bad. That's not bad news necessarily, right? I think what that means is that, as we talked about earlier in our, our time together, is that communicators as a whole really should be looking at uh, being well-rounded and being able to hold a conversation and share some expertise in internal communications, digital communications, accessibility communications, uh, media relations, issues management. Name it, you know, name any other space, right? That's only a select handful. Uh, but what that means is that you can learn from those around you, uh, attend professional development events, um, network with individuals who do this more frequently than you may do, read the news and look at how companies are perhaps arguably what's in the news not succeeding in effective issues management or perhaps uh, good case studies of effective management of issues and learn from that so that you can be that well-rounded practitioner um, who practices their craft to really be there for the, either the organization you work for, the clients you might represent at an agency, or if you're it on yourself, just be there for your clients, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's really probably the best way to show up as a student or a new professional and uh, practice that craft, if you will. I like that. Practice that craft. To our listeners, please be sure to keep these points in mind moving forward. I practice a lot of the advice that Russell has just shared with us today as well. The networking aspect is so very important. Cannot stress it enough. So if you're hearing it from your professors and your peers, they're trying to tell you something important, you might want to take it to heart. And with that, I would now like to once again thank Russell for his time. Are there any platforms that our listeners can follow you on after this episode, Russell? 
Sure. Uh, listeners can certainly uh, follow me on Twitter. So it's at Russell, R-U-S-S-E-L-L and Baker, B-A-K-E-R-R, two R's at the end. Um, and you can add me to LinkedIn as well, for sure. With that, we will conclude episode one of the Progress with Jacob Art podcast. And once again, Russell, thank you so very much for your time. Thank you, Jacob.